Welcome to EQ Minds Recharge Your Mental Health Podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and today we're welcoming on Tom Williams, who has enjoyed the wild ride of TV for the last 20 years, graduating from home Renault shows to travel reporter, Olympics in four continents, reality and back. With feet firmly grounded in the sand alongside his wife and gorgeous two girls, life has been a wave of rising tides and tales to tell, a scholar of no repute who has loved and lived every lessons he's learned along the way. I'm a human Swiss army knife. I can just do a little bit of everything and get by. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Chili Technology and it's an absolute pleasure, Tom Williams, to have you on the show today. Okay, so it's so brilliant to welcome Tom Williams to the show. Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, Chelsea, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. I know. Well, when I met you at the Gidget Foundation lunch, I thought, what an absolute down-to-earth legend. And I know that your rise to kind of Australian stardom was appeared like really fast. And I always think about this, you know, people sometimes get challenged when they're put in these kind of new situations. How, how did you approach that? Was there a mindset that you kind of came into it with or did you have certain ways to approach this new way of use kind of your new lifestyle, I suppose? I suppose when I started, I was 30. And it was on a program called Room for Improvement. And I was being a carpenter, which was what my trade was. So in a factor of like performance levels, I was confident enough talking about, you know, the thing I was an expert in, which was being a carpenter and making, you know, (laughs) funny boxes for people on a very budget tight renovation show. I think from that moment, yeah, it was daunting being on TV, I suppose. But I had that added benefit of, of really knowing what I was talking about because I was, I was an expert. In the mindset challenges, I think, you know, back in the day, and this was like 2001, it was very different to what it is now. You know, the show was a success. We did four seasons. I was, you know, picked up to do other programs off the back of it. Things were moving very quickly, but I was old enough to kind of realise the opportunity that was there and to make sure that I, I, I held on to it tight but didn't let it go to my head. Mm-hmm. I think also in that day, it's very much far different to what it is today. I think if you were a 30-year-old male, you know, going into any sort of television experience, you're obviously going to have a lot of social media around it, a lot more attention than what I'd got back in the day. But you still had a, a lot of attention. You know, a lot of Australians know who you are. Did you, how did you stay grounded? Did you have mates that kind of just took the piss? <laughs> what were you grounding? Like, did you, you know, obviously you came from a good background and your parents sort of kept you very humble, but were there things that you did to kind of make sure that you, you didn't let it go to your head? Yeah. You summed it up right at the beginning, my mates. You know, I've been friends with my mates for 40 plus years. You know, we've known each other since the age of four and five years old. And they're still my best friends. When I started in TV, I got my start from a guy on the radio. I was a caller in on Triple J to the American Rosso show. So I already had an audience and it was all across Australia. and they already really knew who I was, bit of a larrikin, bit of a smart ass, you know, <laughs> always up for a joke, particularly with American Rosso. And I think that was 
the foundation for me moving into TV. You weren't going to turn around and, and be somebody you weren't. Mm. Because I was getting still propped up by Tim and Mez, there was no way that you were going to sort of put on a different persona and get away with it. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. I'd created this, I don't know, character, I suppose, of Tom the Chippy from Manly, and that's who people wanted to see, you know? And I was happy with that because that's who I was. Yeah, which is great. You're your authentic. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. And you you look at guys, you know, who make great successes out of it, you know, Hamish and Andy or Fitzy or... You know, any of those guys, they are who they are, you know. They're really, they're guys you want to go and have a beer with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting, you know, a lot of my good mates who I've known for years and years as well, they still constantly are there just to chip me down and make sure that I'm staying very grounded. And even with our meditation channel and stuff like that, like, Charles, we just cannot meditate with you. You're just too much in your head. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and now, you know, like, we both are on the stage a lot. You're also a lot in the public eye still in front of a lot of different audiences on TV. And they say, you know, the biggest fear is actually public speaking, you know, more so than death. Like, you, you look at the statistics in Australia and public speaking it's actually higher than the fear of death. And I think that is so fascinating. Like people would rather, if they're at a funeral, be down in the box <laughs> than give a eulogy, <laughs> which is a bit of a dark joke. It's true. You know, people get so worried about being in front of other people. And I was just thinking, I wonder if you've got tools and techniques after your career and, and still doing it. Do you have ways that you calm yourself down to beat your peak when you're performing? I asked this question to a mate of mine who played continues to play in a very successful band and I asked him this years ago I was like do you still get nervous before you go out and he's like mate if you don't get nervous before you go out you're not in the right space yeah the nerves and that feeling and the rush is such a natural thing for you to harness into yourself and to put into your performance whether you're in a band, whether you're a comedian, whether you're doing a motivational speech, whether you're keynote speaking to a group of people, it doesn't matter. Everyone is always going to feel the same way. I don't want anyone coming near me before I go on a stage five minutes beforehand. That's my time. Mm -hmm. I've really got to centre myself down. But I think over time, it gets easier, Chelsea, you know, like you get more familiar with how you're going to deliver what you're mm-hmm. going to talk about. The nerves and that sort of pre-show feeling, it'll always be there. If you ask Bono, mate, do you, you ask Mick Jagger, he would still say, I have a routine which I go through every time I go out. No one can come near me. That's my time where I get everything together. The techniques that you use to sort of calm yourself down, It's pretty simple, and it's just the five Ps. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. If If you are ultimately prepared, your script is in good shape, you kind of, you know enough about the people that you're talking to, you'll be fine. That's my technique of doing it. And the other thing that I do, and this kind of comes from my mom, when I was in the junior school I was terrified of a maths teacher and got enormously 
stressed before this particular class. And my mum was like, darling, there is nothing you can do. You have to do it. There is no way of getting out of it. But what I want you to do is just take three deep breaths before it starts. And I still do it today. So good. It's such a simple thing, isn't it? But it just, it so changes our state. And just even by deep belly breathing, you know, the heart rate drops, the brain kind of gets out of that really high activity of beta brainwave and kind of just transitions into a nice calm state. As you said, you know, using that energy of the nerves, but actually using it going, yeah, this feels great. This is getting me in the right mindset to really perform. Like I know my stuff and it's just elevating kind of my emotional state to make sure that I'm peak performing out on the stage. I like that. Wise mom. And I, yeah, nice one, mum. We <laughs> remind each other of it all the time. But I think once you've completed the process and you've completed the performance or whatever you've done, nothing beats that feeling of coming off and going, mm. I did it, I did mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's a good and feeling. people come up to you and they say, hey, mate, thanks so much. Jeez, man, that was really cool. Like, I totally dig that. Like all of that build up, then you get the payoff, you know? Yeah. And it's the payoff when you can just go sit back and partner rings you up or whoever rings you up and says, how'd it go? And you can go, it's all good. It's all fine. <laughs> it's true. I, I did a, I emceed for my little girl's public school fundraising night and it was her first year at the school. And I was an absolute mess. I was sweating. I was pacing. I was going to do something new. I was going to do about 10 minutes of stand-up. Yeah. And I was like a, in a complete state. And I can remember people coming up to me and going, hey, hey, you know, wanting to have a drink with you and stuff beforehand. And I'm like looking at them going, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Get away. Get away. And they're like, what's wrong? And my wife came up and went, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, I have to see these people every day for the next four years. <laughs> if this goes badly, they will never forget. This is not a corporate situation where I say, thanks, everybody, and good night, and walk out and never see them again. I'm going to see them all for four years. And she's like, yeah, right. Uh, can everybody just get away from Tom, please? <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't want him yeah. to stuff it up either. <laughs> it's also, you know, because your little one also is there watching you and she's never fully seen you do something like that before. So it's a pretty big deal. It, it was just for the mums and dads. Oh. And yeah, it was the mums and dads. So they're all kind of half tanked anyway. When I wrapped and came down and sat at the seat and, you know, like all of the other little mums and dads from the same year were at the table, they're like, you know, a couple of them really kind of didn't know what I did or who I was or anything. They're like, oh, man, you're really funny. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks. And they're like, why are you so hot and sweaty? And I'm like, that's just pure nerves, you know, just evaporating out of my head and my body. And they're like, right, okay, well, you nailed it. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, tell you what, I'm the sweatiest person when I present as well. It's so weird because I feel like I'm really calm and then I'm just like pouring sweat. So I would just always keep like a black blazer on or I just don't take, I just don't take the jacket off the whole presentation. So I've been like tinkering around with different deodorants going, okay, how do I make sure that I'm not <laughs> this whole room? But do you know what? These are all really natural things, physical yeah. things that happen. And, you know, 
everyone gets them. And if anybody's listening to this right now and they're like, I hate standing up in front of, you know, my team or presenting to the company or, you know, some sort of end of year thing, it's like, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. Just have your stuff prepared. Go out there and try to have fun. Yeah, it's so good. So good, Tom. And talking about, you know, humour, do you, because you are so funny, but when you're doing the, like when you do the stand-up stuff, like when you like for that school event, did you engage a comedian? Did you go riff some content with somebody, or did you watch like just episodes and episodes of stand-up and kind of get different ideas? Or were you with your mates and had beer and go, yeah, that's hilarious. I'm going to just jot that down. Like, how do you get your content? Because I think humour is so crucial for people when they're in when they're doing a board meeting or when they're delivering a keynote or they're on interviews how do people get more refined bringing a tiny little bit of humor into their presentation the best way to do it is is to know who you're going to talk to and try to relate to them in their way in in the way that they speak i can remember doing an hr awards night and i just google searched some hr dialogue dialogue and terms that they used And, you know, one of the first things I said is, you know, like, well, I don't know why I've got this job because when it comes to the world of HR, clearly I am the least informed. But here goes. (laughs) And I just kind of not didn't make fun of their world, but... Yeah, you had some insight. Yeah, yeah. Like said, you know, their terms in a layman's way. And they were like, yeah, okay, that's kind of funny. You're... You're a little bit taking the piss, but you're not bagging us, you know? And that was the same thing. I did write a little bit of stuff with a girlfriend of mine who's a comedian, and she was like, what are the mums wear to drop off? And I was like, active wear. And she's like, yes, (laughs) active wear is so easily a target. Let's do a bit on active wear. And they loved it, you know, because... That's what the mums do. They're like, oh, what am I going to wear to drop off? Oh, well, I, I look as if I've just gone to the gym or I look as if I'm going to the gym after drop off, but I'm not. I'm probably going to sit down and have a coffee with all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's kind of a little bit, bit of a top pocket one is if my wife's in the audience, I'll always draw attention to her and she, she just absolutely hates it. So, you know, like, you know, I was, I'd get up and I was like, I consulted with my wife and, and she said, you know, darling, just, just do me one thing and just don't swear. You know, these are mums and dads. This is a pretty wholesome group. You can swear like a shearer sometimes, but just don't do it just tonight. And I'm like, you're right, darling, you know, like I won't do that. You know, this is about the kids and this is about, you know, supporting our kids. But I tell you what, it's so good to have a night off them from the little, you know, beep. Isn't it? And everyone loved it. It's so good. So good. My husband, so you're bringing him into like events as well. And, but it's just too easy as a target for, you know, and it's also quite a safe thing to either self-deprecate or take the piss out of someone in your direct family. And, and he also hates social media. So I'm always try, <laughs> trying to <laughs> get him exposed somehow on socials. But, yeah, I think it's so true, Tom, like, especially the Aussie culture, it's like that self-deprecating rather than slapstick. And it helps just lighten the mood, doesn't it? It's just people just enjoy just having a little bit of a laugh. 
nobody wants to see somebody nervous up on a stage because it makes them feel nervous or it makes them feel like, oh, I feel so sorry for him. Oh, he's having a terrible night. Oh, this poor guy. If you go out and you just kind of, you know, put a little bit of you-know-what on yourself, and I did a bit of that because, you know, I could reflect on my TV career and the fact that I wasn't on a program at the time I was doing this event. And, you know, I could self-deprecate about the fact that, you know, I am spending a little bit of time at home taking care of our kids. That's not such a bad thing. But I bet you there's a couple of other dads in the audience who are going, Oh, Matt, I wish I could stay at home and do a little bit of time with my kids. You're lucky. You're lucky, duck. It's so true. Yeah. I think with all this kind of stuff, you're right, people don't want to see you fail. You know, they don't want to see you nervous or stressed. And, and a lot of the human beings out there that are good human beings don't want to see you fail. So they're kind of all rooting for you anyway when you're on stage. And another thing that someone told me that I thought was really valuable was you know more than what the audience does in terms of what you're going to say next. Like if you are speaking or presenting and you do get a tiny little bit nervous or just throw a question out to the audience or, you know, deflect it somehow and always remember that you know what you're going to say next. They don't know. They don't know that you've missed a line or missed a word or missed a joke or something didn't land properly. And so I think that's a nice way to go, okay, I know what I'm talking about. They don't know what's coming up next. I'll get up. First off of the bat, a bit of self-deprecating humour and then, you know, we'll warm up their audience and then we'll kind of crack in. So I think that's really, really, really helpful because I know a lot of people who listen to us are corporate professionals. So I think that'll be really valuable for them. Let's sort of change the... Switch gears. (laughs) Switching (laughs) gears as we say on TV. (laughs) Switch it to your body. (laughs) How good shape you guys are in. You and Rachel, your gorgeous wife, are awesome at, at the, the Gidget Lunch. She's just a divine human being and doing such incredible work herself. But, Tom, you know, what is, how do you sustain mental and physical fitness? You know, how do you fit that in with what you do with juggling the kids and your career and things like that? It's tough, particularly when the children are quite young and they're up and they need attention immediately, you know, to get them underway, their breakfast, their lunches packed, all of that stuff. We'll do it together. But in the very early morning, I'll I'll rise at about 5am and go out ski paddling with my mates. And we've been doing that now for 10 years. So Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Rachel knows that I'm up really early. I'll go out, I'll do my work, I'll be back home inside the house between the hours of 7 and 7.15, 7.30 if I have a coffee. So as long as we have that sort of routine and synchronicity together, we're fine. She understands that that time for me to go and do that is, is crucial because it's very difficult outside of the timetable of the family. She can tell if, you know, I haven't been paddling. I can't run anymore. My knees are shot. Mm. she will know because I'll, I'll kind of I'll be more agitated I'll be a little bit more inside of my own head if mm. I don't go out and do that physical work and it's it's really hard physical work right we go for it that mm. I think when I was younger you know that sort of trying to be a physical shape was kind of important in a way because you had more time to do it so you could concentrate a little bit more on it. You didn't have so much in your life. But now at my age, and I'm going to be 50 in October, it's that 
physical exercise for me to be able to do during the week, and on the weekends I can get out there as well, is really important for my mental state. It, it's a huge release. It's in the ocean. Uh, we're on our own. There's a fair element of risk involved, which I still enjoy, but I minimise that risk. And I'm a much better man when I do it. The discipline of waking up on a morning like this morning when it's driving rain, it's probably eight degrees, it's pitch black, and there's a big swell running. You know, half the discipline is actually getting out of the bed. Yeah, yeah. When I've finished that session, I know in my head that's the hardest thing that I am going to do today. Yeah. Everything else that lies before me today won't be as hard as that because, you know, I'm exhausted, I feel exhilarated, I feel like I've sort of, you know, climbed a mountain a little bit, I might have paddled really well, or maybe I didn't paddle so well and some of the other guys beat me, but she knows when I come home from that session, I am elated, you know, serotonin's just pumping through my brain, you know, good, good vibes. That's awesome. So important. And you have it scheduled in, right? Like people always say to me, I I just don't have time. I'm like, you know what, you've just got to schedule it in the calendar because if it's not in there, it just doesn't get done. And the blue gym is so good, like being in the ocean, you've got connection there with your mates, you're doing cardiovascular fitness, the serotonin's cranking, and you've had some time to yourself. So I think that's so important, Tom. And, And you do that three days a week, is it? Yeah, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then we'll try to get out on a Saturday afternoon just for a a tap around, depending on the conditions. But a lot of scientists and and people, you know, in your world of of taking care of your mindset will, will say and happily agree that when you sit on the edge, when you sit on the edge of the ocean or you're at sea or whatever, and you can see the horizon, there's nothing in your way. So your mind is so open. There's no barriers coming up in front of you. There's no car in front or a lift or, you know, a tall building or, you know, some sort of thing that you see the whole time. The moment you can get onto the ocean shore or a cliff face or meditate or be at sea or paddle the ski or you're at a stand-up paddleboard or whatever, you've got the whole of the horizon and your mindset just opens up. And that's a really good time to start thinking about stuff and, and you get a much clearer thought pattern. Yeah, I love that. I actually can't think of anything when I'm out in the ocean. I just think about surviving when I'm surfing. And then I just, <laughs> but no matter what's happened in my day, it is just literally washes off all the stress. And I literally just, even just paddling and bobbing around at the back on my board, I'm like, wow, I just have got zero worries in this world. Like it is just so incredible. But I think that's so helpful, Tom. And you know, for people who are listening, you know, it's just getting the discipline, it's getting in the right mindset, it's just scheduling it in, and it's just getting it done. Tom, I want to say thank you so much for coming on our show today. I think most of Australia know who you are, but if they don't, can you please let us know what you're up to and where people can find more of you? I'm waiting for the whole television sort of production world to come to a ground, (laughs) come to a halt at the moment. There's a few things in the pipeline, but Yeah, I'm more working in the property world. I'm a partner in a property firm at the moment, which lends support to the real estate business. So I'm sort of, you know, involved in that. But yeah, looking forward to another TV opportunity, you know, around the corner. I think it's so much fun and I've always enjoyed it. I miss that sort of dynamic of of making something really cool. So yeah, stay tuned. Awesome. Thank you so much for 
for today. I think it's going to be so valuable for our audience listening to that. So thanks a lot, Tom. Thanks, Chelsea. It's my pleasure. So good to talk to you. See ya. To continue on your calm journey, I really encourage you to download a free ebook on how to live a calmer life. Simply head to eqminds.com to receive your free copy. And if you're in a really good mood, please feel free to give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the podcast and then together we can help other people with their mental health and well-being. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with us and we'll see you again in a week. This podcast is for information purposes only. Any advice is not a substitute for medical guidance. Any use of information contained in this podcast is used at the user's own risk.